Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. Check, check, check. You guys hear me? We on? Well, good morning. Was hearing good things about retreat. A little jealous that I couldn't be there. You know, uh, when Moses came down from the mountaintop, one of the times his, his, uh, his, his face was shining with the glory of God. And a lot of times those retreats are a special mountaintop experience, right? And uh, I'd be uh, blinded by the glory that you guys are coming back with, but you got your COVID mask on, so I guess I don't have to like put a bag over your face, anything like that. If you guys want to be turning to Deuteronomy 5, we're going to be looking at a story where some of God's children encounter God face to face. And I guess before I dive into that, I'll just introduce myself for anybody that doesn't know me. I'm Brian Bustos, and I'm just privileged to be here, uh, to be a part of this church, a part of this family. I've, my feet have just been washed <laughs> over and over and over again um, by this community, and I experience the love and the power of God all the time here, and so I'm just so thankful uh, to be a part of this, and uh, we're going to dive into it. So uh, if you guys are there, Deuteronomy 5, I just want to give you a little bit of context to this. So... The children of Israel had, had been in Egypt, and they, they were in slavery, and they called out to God. God heard their cry, and he delivered them from that slavery with a powerful arm. And they're, they're seeing miracles, okay? They're, they're seeing the, the wrath of God coming down on Egypt. They're seeing signs and wonders, and God gets them into the wilderness, and it's during this time in the wilderness that he gives them his word, these laws, okay? And, and, and these laws, God's word, it allowed them to, to commune with him and to know how to approach him, and it also, these laws were life in, in how, to, how to live with each other. I mean, imagine being in a refugee camp hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people trekking across the desert, uh, what, do you, what, what do you do when you have to go to the bathroom? Where do you go? You know? So like God's spelling out these things for the children of Israel. He's helping them, all right? But the children of Israel, even though they saw, saw those signs and wonders, most of them looked back and wanted Egypt. They're, they're, they started to murmur and, and they didn't, God, what God was providing for them wasn't enough. And, and, and God like, basically sifted them, and a new generation had to be raised up that was full of faith to enter into the promised land. And this was led by Joshua, this was led by Caleb. And the book of Deuteronomy is there, they're like right on the horizon, okay? I've got this in the PowerPoint, you kind of see this mountain. 
And, and you know, the promised land is on the horizon. And before they, they get, step into the promised land that is riddled with enemies and, and it's any enemy-occupied territory, God wants to do a look back. And God wants to remind them what he's done and remind them of the words that he's given them. And he also wants to point forward at what they're to do when they step into the promised land. And so that's the context of what's happening here. And, and Mo- Moses is, is sharing with Israel God's heart. So, you know, in terms of, uh, let's just talk about the encounter for a moment, okay? So the encounter of God. All right, so the children of Israel encountered God in the, in the desert. They're on this mount, Mount Horeb, and Moses is going up and down the mountain. He's interacting with God, and... <clears throat> I don't know if you guys uh, have ever thought about this. Maybe this is just my own uh, flesh. Have you ever wondered if Moses was, like, making up the whole thing? I mean, have you? I don't know if anybody else has, but, like, you know, who is this guy? He's going up the mountain. He's coming back down, speaking on behalf of God, right? And, you know, I don't know if any of you guys, like, and, and here's the thing. I don't think I'm alone in this thought, Okay. Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, at one point they were questioning if, if, if Moses was the only one hearing from God. And they were actually rebuked, okay? And I think that often our heart condition, we, we oftentimes when we're in the flesh, we start to question our leaders. We start to wonder, you know, what, you know, what, what is God saying to them? And, and how come he's not speaking to me? You know, why... Why, why is it that he chose this person, right? And, and, and God saw this, okay? And, and he, wanted to, um, he wanted to speak to this. Okay, so next, next slide here. Okay, so I think this is sometimes, you know, like, like this is what, you know, some of the people might have been thinking, like, Moses is just kind of like behind the curtain, kind of like making up this thing, Right? But here's what it says in Exodus 19.9. You don't have to turn there. But the Lord says, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, he's talking to Moses here, that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. God wanted the children of Israel to hear his voice and hear him speaking to Moses so that they would trust Moses and believe him forever. And you guys, these words that Moses received, they have endured like thousands of years. And you guys, when we receive this word, we have that same choice. We can either, with skepticism, kind of wonder if there's, a, you know, there's somebody behind the curtain. There's a pastor, you know, maybe somewhere behind this wall that's just kind of fabricating or speaking on behalf of God. Or, in faith, we can receive what has been passed down from generation to generation, starting with this story that we're going to look at. Okay, and it's important to understand that the signs and wonders that were given to the children of Israel, it was to confirm the message of the prophet, okay? Because it wasn't just that they heard God's words. They're seeing lightning, they're seeing fire. Let's get rid of this image because that's actually a false image of what, that's actually probably a demonic image, really. Of, uh, so I don't want to get that like imprinted into your mind of what we're talking about here. Sorry about that. <laughs> 
So God confirmed the authority of his messenger, Moses, in Exodus 20. And now, now in Deuteronomy 5, Moses is reminding them of this event. So let's read this. Deuteronomy 5, 1 through 5. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep them and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount on the midst of the fire, saying... Now, if you guys are looking at your Bible, you might notice that there's a parenthesis there. Okay, we're going to get to that parenthesis, but let's just kind of block that out for a moment mentally. And, and the Lord was talking to the children of Israel face to face. How many of you guys recognize that the Lord spoke not only to Moses face to face, but to all the children of Israel? That's what Scripture's saying, okay? And this is, the, this is the first key point, okay? The Lord speaks. Okay? And I don't want you guys to boo me off stage because yeah, you might be calling me like Captain Obvious right now. Like, that's why we're here, right? Because the Lord speaks. But you guys... Ugh. <laughs> uh. I'm going to lose it on this first key point. It's so simple. But we cannot lose the miracle that God speaks to us. This is an attribute of God. And you guys think about the possibility or what could be if God decided not to speak to us. This is the reality that many people live in, that there isn't a God. Or that God created things and then just kind of launched it. And let's just kind of see what happens with chaos. But the reality is the Lord speaks. God speaks in many ways. Creation. He speaks through creation. He speaks through his word. Through the preaching and teaching of our pastors and teachers. You guys, language is a miracle. Okay, next, next picture. All right, you guys, this is my son, Avi. <laughs> so he's three, and he has something called uh, childhood language apraxia. And uh, basically, uh, he, he struggles to put syllables together. And he has a really hard time to talk. And uh, in this photo, you see him doing some communication with his hands. And there are many times when I can't understand what he's saying. And he knows it. And he gets upset. And he hits himself out of frustration. And I know that there are some people here today that feel the same way about their relationship with God. I know it. 
that there are people that want to hear it from God. They want God to hear them, and there's a disconnect. You guys, I'm here to say today that God speaks, and it's clear. All right, going back to verse 1, you guys. We see God call out specifically how we're, how we're to approach him when he speaks, okay? Because this is so important. We have to start. We have to start with the right heart posture. Deuteronomy 5.1, And Moses called all Israel and, and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep them and do them. Okay? And listen, God is talking all the time, and, and you're seeing his, his conversation through creation. You guys are hearing his words, okay? But hearing is just one part of it. We got to learn it. And we got to keep it, and we got to do it, okay? I don't know if this is true, but I'm just going to say it. But it's better to just know a little part of the Bible and to actually live it out than to just have a bunch of head knowledge and can talk at people, but there's no actual obedience. There's no reality to your walk with God. So key point number two, in order to properly steward God's word, we must be purposed in our approach. We've got to be ready, okay? Ezra was a great example of this. It says in Ezra chapter 7, it says that he was a ready scribe. Did you guys come ready this morning? Did you prepare your heart? It said he prepared his heart to to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. And guys, it is a privilege to teach God's word. And it doesn't have to be in a pulpit. To teach, somebody's, to teach somebody God's word in a coffee shop, in a discipleship relationship, when you teach something, you start to learn it in a different way because you got to own it. And guys, when I teach up here, it's painful because I am confronted with how far away I am from often where I see God wants me to be. You know, that's like, that's like one of the pains of this is like just being confronted with that reality. But God is faithful and he's doing a good work in my life. Praise the Lord. And I know he's doing a good work in many people here. Check out Daniel. Daniel purposed in his heart. Okay. So guys, we're not just going to get God's word without that intentionality. Deuteronomy 5, 4, let's go back to that. It says, the Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire, saying, okay, and we already talked about it, like we're, these parentheses are there and we're going to skip them for now, but we'll come back to it. For the time being, I want us to focus on the fact that God spoke face-to-face with Israel, not just with Moses. And this is incredible. I just want to say this. God desires to speak to us face-to-face. God desires 
to speak with his, with his people like this in an intimate way. Eight times in the Bible, this phrase, face-to-face, refers to God interacting with man in a, in a, in a close way. This word, face-to-face, you know, it's like two of the Hebrew words, like back-to-back. And those two words are also translated as before and presence. And so this is talking about being in the presence of God, standing before him. Here's a couple of examples. Jacob wrestling with God. You guys, many of you guys know this story. After Jacob wrestled with God, he said, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Moses, Exodus 33, 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friends. That's an incredible relationship with the Lord. Do you want that? I want that, but sometimes I'm scared of what that means. I'm scared of what that will call me to. I'm scared of what I'll have to let go or what will have to die. The Lord's presence and his friendship is a scary thing. What did he ask of Abraham, his friend? To give his only son back to him. And it takes faith, guys. It takes faith that the Lord will provide. In this, in this verse, take notice of Joshua. And look at his posture. I mean, just to call out that he's tagging along with Moses. And I don't know if Moses invited him or if he was like a lost puppy that just wouldn't leave his side. But Joshua is there in the presence of the Lord too. And when Moses leaves, what's Joshua do? He stays in the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle. That's an incredible thing that we can learn. Is this something that we desire? Is this something that we yearn for? Or do we just show up when we are asked to? Do we read our Bible just when we have to, right? And we're seeing Joshua setting this example. And look where that led in terms of his faith taking the land. In a bit, we'll look at what this face-to-face looks like in our lives. It's not the same as what Moses experienced or the children of Israel. But I want us to recognize that God desires to be with his people and to speak to them directly. God wants to make his people a kingdom of priests unto him, and he desired to dwell among them. Now let's look at the message God delivered here to his people when he spoke with them face to face. All right, so here's the message. The Lord gave to the children of Israel 10 commandments. And again, this is a look back. So Deuteronomy 5, that's where we're at. They're looking back at what happened in Exodus 20, where, where the Lord spoke the Ten Commandments. And if we were to read this, we would pretty much burn up all our time. And that's not time wasted. I think sometimes as believers, we lose sight of the foundations. And when I think about like the greatest athlete the greatest athletes, right? One of the things that sets them apart is how well they know the foundational things. 
you got to know how to dribble. I mean, you got to be really good at dribbling. Like, do it in your sleep. It's foundational. You got to know how to do a layup. You got to know how to do a bicycle kick. Oh, wait, that's not foundational. Uh, you, get, you get where I'm going, right? I had to put soccer in there. But the Ten Commandments are foundational for us, guys, because it's, it's, it's God's, God's law, and it's a mirror that shows us who we are in the flesh. Okay, so I'm just going to read the summary of these, because I think this is important for us to rehearse. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make idols. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. Honor thy father and thy mother. My mom and dad are in the house. I have a good heritage in the Lord uh, for my mom and dad, and I'm just thankful for them, so awesome that they're here. Six, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. And if you're feeling pretty good after reading these, go to Matthew and see what Jesus has to say about how to apply these to your life when it comes to lust and hatred and the like. Okay. So right after God delivered these laws to his people, Moses said in Exodus 20, 20, fear not, for God has come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. Notice God asking us to exchange the fear of self-preservation for the fear of the Lord. There is a difference. And you guys, by default, we operate in, in, in fear, and, and that's about self-preservation. And there's this weird irony, because God wants to give us the fear of the Lord, which actually preserves us, and yet mortifies the flesh in the spirit. It's this weird thing, but our default is to operate in fear of self with self-preservation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and God's light shines in dark places. He exposes us a truth about our lives. So key point number four, the, Lord ex- the Lord's words expose our true nature. When God speaks... Our true self is shown. Check this out. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is a mirror and shows us who we truly are, what we're composed of, When we read the Bible, the Bible reads us. I just want to repeat that. When we read the Bible, the Bible reads us. 
Now, one thing we have to realize as we consider God's law is that we cannot fulfill it. Each of us fails to keep the law. Israel found out that they could not keep the law. The New Testament gives us an unlock to the purpose of the law. Galatians 3.24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. And guys, as we preach the gospel to others, I, I mean, I even just think about a conversation I had yesterday. So often we present Jesus as just kind of like a power up in life. Like, if you add Jesus to your life, then your life will get better. And that's true. That's like a byproduct. (laughs) But what the law shows us is that we cannot live up to the requirements of God's law, his holiness. And because he's just, he has to deal with our sin. He wouldn't be good if he didn't deal with sin. If you have not considered how you measure up against the law, I just invite you to spend some time today reading through Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. Reckon yourself unto the Lord. You're going to find that you'll fall short. I fall short. I tell my kids this all the time. I asked him the question, is daddy a sinner? Yes, daddy's a sinner. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I am a sinner. You guys, I confess my sins to my kids. I've got too many stories about that. Uh, We don't have time for that. But you guys, I'm a sinner. And my testimony is that Jesus took my sins upon himself. That he bore my sins, took them to the cross, He took on the wrath of God that I deserved. That death was buried. And in the power of his spirit, he rose from the dead and he reigns on high. If you don't know that reality, if you don't know God's love in that way, if God's love to you is not tangible, I encourage you this morning, today is the day. This hour is the hour to get right with the Lord, to call upon him. All right, let's look at the deliverable. So God spoke these words. The children of Israel heard it, right? Deuteronomy 5.22. These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick darkness with a great voice. And I love this. He says... And he added no more. They knew exactly what God's word was and where it stopped. And God cares very much about what his word is and that we know what is his word and where it stops. There are commandments in the the Bible to not add to or subtract from the word of God. And you guys, the the word of God is constantly under attack. And people are trying to add to it. And people are trying to detract from it. And it's getting watered down. And it's getting confused. And politics are trying to get interwoven into it. This is Satan's strategy. 
Did God really say not to eat of that? He's just, he's, he's, he's kind of a jealous God, and he'll, he's, he's kind of worried that you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. This is Satan's strategy, and it hasn't changed. And he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. God's word is clear. We know what's in it and what's out when we are a workman in the word. We don't have to guess. Key point five. God is speaking to you through the written word because he doesn't want you to miss anything he has spoken. Think about the song that we sang this morning. I, I, I don't know. I always say, like, you know, I'm, I'm emotional this morning, but I'm pretty much always emotional. Uh, I, was, I was, like, crying when we were singing that song. God's word is close. God's word is nigh. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 through 14. For this commandment which I commanded thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. God speaks. We have God's word. Now the question I have to ask is this. Is God's word enough for you? Or do you need more? This was my story. This was my song. <laughs> Like I said, my parents uh, taught me the ways of the Lord. They, they, they taught me God's word. And I was in a church where I had a youth pastor that had us memorizing scripture and, and would teach us principles through their own lives on this farm that they were running. And when I, when I left um, Valparaiso, Indiana, where I grew up. I came out to Kansas City. And I came out to Kansas City to encounter God. And I had the right motivation, and I believe that God led me out here. But um, I, I was a part of a church that, um, I'll just say that IHOP had come out of, um, where IHOP was planted. And I'm just going to talk about my own life. And, and, and in that time, I was yearning to see the power and the, the, and the miracles of God. Okay? I was looking for more. Okay? I, I was looking for a supplement. Okay? I was wanting miracles. I was wanting to see signs and wonders. I was wanting to walk on water. And I don't mean that, like, figuratively. I mean that literally. Like, I tried to walk on water once. Just me and God. I was on a lake. I tried to, like, prove my faith by putting, like, money in my pocket so in case I got wet, 
that, you know, it would prove my faith because that money would be ruined, right? Um, this was before cell phones, and so um, it wasn't too high risk. But, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about miracles is this. Um, I desired them because I thought if I could see the power of God in my life, that would be a catalyst in my own life, but that would also be a catalyst to those around me. If they could see miracles, they would believe, right? But here's the curious thing about miracles. They don't save people. And they don't always lead to belief. And if you want proof of that, just look back at the first generation that was delivered out of Egypt. They saw mind-blowing things happening. Water turned into blood, lots of frogs. They saw amazing things. They saw water parted and they walked through the Red Sea. And yet, how was their heart condition on the other side of that? They were longing to go back to Egypt. Check this out. Luke six, in Luke 16, you don't have to turn there, and I don't have it up there, but Lazarus, there's a story about this poor beggar named Lazarus that's dead, and this rich man. They had everything on earth, and they both die. And, and this rich man finds himself in torment in the afterlife, and there's this huge gap between him and Abraham and Lazarus, who's with Abraham. And he's being tormented, and they're like, we can't get water to you. Like, there's this gap. There's this chasm. We can't, we can't get it. And the guy realizes that he reaped everything that he sowed on earth, which was vanity. And now he was reaping the consequences of that in hell. And this is what he said when he realized his situation. He said this. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to, to my father's house. So he's saying, send Lazarus back. Let him raise from the dead. Send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto them, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And the rich man said, nay, father, Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one raised from the dead. This is Jesus' words. Lazarus did raise from the dead. And you know what? Many people saw that. They saw that miracle, and yet they still didn't believe because their heart was wicked, and they had already gotten God's word in the law. They had it. They knew it. And they didn't believe it. They didn't believe Moses and the prophets. So that miracle isn't going to do anything for them. 
For the New Testament church, you guys, 1 Corinthians 13 speaks to this. The Corinthian church was operating with the sign gifts, yet they were very dysfunctional, and they actually needed rebuking. This church was celebrating the grace of God for for this sinful guy that was sleeping with his mother-in-law. And Paul was having to rebuke him. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12. And this is, this is the passage that's talking about these powerful sign gifts that were operating in the church at that time. He says this, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. It's time to grow up. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, in 1 Corinthians 13, in this, in this confused time of the church, we see through a glass darkly. But then when the perfect comes face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. You guys, God's word is perfect. And there's debate on this passage. Is the perfect talking about God's word? Or is it talking about Jesus coming back? And I want to declare to you today that it's talking about both. Because you cannot separate Jesus from his word. How do we know anything about Jesus? From his word, the gospels. In the Psalms, God declares that he will exalt his word above his name. Think about that. You cannot separate God and Jesus from his word. This is the face-to-face that we have with God. This is how we encounter God face-to-face. We get into his word. And here's the thing. When we get in God's word, there's an effect. Deuteronomy 5, 24 through 26. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God has showed us his glory and his greatness. So the children of Israel are talking now. They just experienced the word of the Lord. They, saw him, they, they spoke with him face to face. And then they say this, And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. They're blown away by this, just like Jacob wrestling with God. He's like, I have seen the Lord and my life has been preserved. And the children of Israel have the same response. I have seen God face to face, and we liveth. But then look at what they say in verse 25. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more. Then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? 
Key point six. God's word will slay the flesh. So the flesh will resist his presence. God's word will slay the flesh, so the flesh will resist his presence. They just encountered God and they lived, and right away they say, We can't handle this. We're going to die. Okay? It reminds me of Peter walking on the water, and he's doing it as he's looking at the Lord. And then all of a sudden, it's like he gets, he starts looking around him, looking at his environment, and he's down in the water crying out for help. You guys, God is a consuming fire. 1 Peter 1.24 For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Deuteronomy 5.27 says this, this is the children of Israel, again, kind of uh, remarking about what's happening. They, they talk to Moses and they say this, Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. And you guys, their flesh, they were, it was too much. God's presence was too much. And here's what God had to say about it. Deuteronomy 5, 28 through 29. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. So God didn't rebuke them for this response. And again, remember they're saying like, what flesh has survived being in the presence of the Lord? Listen to what God says here. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Exclamation point. You guys, there are not a lot of exclamation points in the Bible. And a lot of times, you know, we, we sing songs, God, I just want to know your heart. And in prayer, we're like, God, I just want to know you. I want to know your will for my life. I can say with authority on God's word, I know God's will for your life. And if you focus on this will, capital W will, the will that is the same for all of his children, all those other details who you're going to marry, your next job, where you're going to live, all of those things, that lowercase w will, all those things will fall in place if you will focus on the clear word of God. I'm going to read it again, verse 29. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. You got to be in the Word to keep His commandments. You got to hear them. You got to learn them. You got to teach them. You got to do them. And here's the last thing we're going to look at the mediator. 
So the children of Israel could not handle God's presence because they're fleshly. And they asked Moses to stand in the gap. Exodus 20, 18 through 19. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, which you guys, I'd be freaked out too. <laughs> Doesn't say lavas anywhere, but I'd be kind of anticipating the lava coming. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Deuteronomy 5.5. 5. This was that parenthesis. Moses says, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mount. Deuteronomy 5, 30 through 32. Go say to them, get you into your tents again, but as for thee, stand thou here by me, Moses, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess. So key point number seven. We need a mediator between God and man. And if we're trying to approach God in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own righteousness, in our own amazingness, you're never going to meet with God. God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And you have to recognize that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. And Moses is a picture of Jesus Christ here. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has stood in the gap between an enemy-occupied world and the Father. And he has bridged that gap through his blood and his atonement. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. And this is where I want to kind of land. I want to remind you guys that God speaks. And it's really important that we understand how to rightly divide Scripture. And you guys, if I would have read this passage, Deuteronomy 5, 10 years ago, I'd be looking for that mountaintop experience. I'd be wanting, I would be looking at that and be like, God, make me like the children of Israel. I want to see that cloud. I want to see that thunder. This is what Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, the mediator, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. 
And you guys, if you want to encounter God face to face, you need to meet Jesus. And I think about what we learned at family camp this last summer, where we were going through the steps of the tabernacle, and there was that brazen altar of sacrifice. And to, to enter into the court, there had to be a sacrifice. And, and Jesus Christ put himself in that place as the perfect lamb. We can see who God is through Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here right now that feels like they don't have that relationship with God, that there is a disconnect? I know that's a big question, and I know there's a, this is a big group. But I just ask you, is there anybody else that just feels like there's a disconnect from God right now? It doesn't even have to be salvation. That there's just some kind, of, there's something in the way. Can I just see your hand? I see it back there. We're going to pray. And we're going to look to Jesus to make that connection. And Jesus is the only one that can do that. I've just asked the worship team to come up. And if you guys can bow your heads. We're going to have some people coming to the front. And if you guys are feeling that disconnect, and that could be, I've never known God I don't he, the relationship doesn't feel tangible whether it's that or I've been a believer for so long and yet I just feel like I'm in a dry place and I can't hear God I don't feel like he's speaking right now it, they're, I, I hear the words but they're bouncing off me I just invite you to come and pray with somebody God is good God wants to minister to you today through his son. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Father, we got to hear from you. I'm just so thankful for your word. And I pray, Lord, for an intimate relationship. Um, for each person that's here today, God, we're all in a different path. We're all in a different walk and stage in life. Um, but God, you know where our hearts are. I ask that you would minister your word to us, God. And I pray that you would remove our flesh, that our flesh would die, that it would be separated from us, and that the new man in Christ would approach you with faith, with hope. And I pray that we would carry your words. In Jesus' name. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.li.com.